Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to The Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. Today, we're going to listen to an interview I had with Richard Averett from Digital Relab. And Richard is a very interesting guy, and his product is really cool. Um, His product will help you make sense of your digital debris, as I like to call it. What does that really mean? It brings together and puts together data with all kinds of unorganized digital assets. And I love what he talks about. They're not an asset if you can't actually use them. But images, videos, PDF documents, files, uh, audio, all of those things can be classified by his platform and therefore findable within your piles and piles of files. It's really interesting. And Richard has an interesting story about who he is and how he manages a company. And uh, it's a great interview. And we've got him on the line, so let's get started. Richard, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Richard, you are the CEO of Digital Relab. What is Digital Relab? Digital Relab is a technology company focused on uh, helping our clients uh, optimize their media and therefore amplify their business. And that helps uh, um, any business take advantage of and capitalize on their media assets and the data around them so that they can find what they need when they need it, know what they need to know about it, uh, explore new opportunities, new collections, new uh, new ways to leverage the content that they already have in their uh, environment. Yeah, you know, I was doing a read and and trying to understand this, you know, before we met, obviously, and I noticed that you guys merge. And my audience may not understand all this completely, but uh, metadata with uh, assets, which means that you're able to organize and find things by searching for it. And your metadata is like 250, a quarter million fields. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of information you can collect about these, these digital assets. Um, I, I, explain that to me or try to help us understand what that means. Yeah, a- absolutely. So metadata is this word that most people don't, aren't used to until you get into technology, but think of it as as descriptions about your stuff. So metadata is like tags, right? If you tag something, hey, or put them in a folder called favorites, effectively the word favorites becomes metadata around all of those images, right? These are the ones I think of as favorites. Um, Or, you know, these are red ones, or these are blue ones, or these were taken in September. Any of that information that helps describe what a media asset is or why it's important or how you think about it, that's metadata. So it's kind of, it's really a simple concept. What people don't often realize is that um, 
Well, I can back up. Really, the challenge is that if we all took the time every time we created a new media asset to think for a moment and add a bunch of tags to it in some way that described it and how we think about it, hey, this was a picture of me and grandma on the beach at Easter. This is the date. This is uh, I was feeling happy those kind of things, right, then, then you would always be able to find that object later because you could search on sort of any of those things and just rediscover it. But what happens in reality is we don't do that, right? We're busy. We're taking bunches of pictures, doing things. We don't have the time. We stick them in a folder. We then lose track of where those things went. And later, we don't have any tags or metadata, or we don't think we do, to help us find those assets. And when that happens, Right? In, in a business context, you get a half a dozen or more people. They're all creating stuff. They're all thinking of it differently. They store it differently in different folders. And nobody really knows where anything is anymore. I mean, how many times somebody say, hey, where do you have your photographs? Well, I've got some in Dropbox. I've got some in Google Drive. I've got some in iPhoto. I've got ones from my previous computer on a hard drive on my shelf. I mean, stuff's everywhere. And that's kind of the normal course. Um, so what we did is we said, how would you solve that problem for, for a business or an archive in a way that could take advantage of what's already there? And so what we do is we have created a really elegant way to first mine the data out of the digital files. You know, today our digital files have a rich data history embedded in them. Both the devices or the software that we use often sticks data, sticks that meta, that, those tags, that information that gives us a lifeline into the file itself. It's just that we, it's not really revealed to us, right? So my phone tells you not my geolocation if I have it turned on. I also, it also tells you the device ID, which means we can, we can specifically uh, take specific uh, photos that I've taken will all be identified by that device ID, right? It might even tell you the, way, the direction I was facing. And in video programs, we have descriptions, and we have some, I, I have some crazy fun examples. Just the other day, I opened up a video made by a, a local videographer, and we had probed through the data, and, 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 it, and nested into the data was his email address, because his subscription to the software he used in the editing suite um, put his email address buried deep in the data record, and we probed it out, right? So so it, it is – I'm kind of going to move long-winded on this, and obviously we can, we can sort of tear it down, but the point is that, that if, you're, if we can't expect humans to do all the work that we wish that we would do to be able to find things later, right, that, that deep organization all along, then we have to take advantage of what's already in the ecosystem. And so our software is going to probe data out, it's going to use a variety of AI applications or machine learning applications to augment the data, to sort of add some of those tags that humans didn't add. And it's going to then relate all of those things in, in your data structure in a way that builds relationships you didn't know were there, right? So every time a new file comes in, new data is created, it is compared to all the other things in your archive, and then it's going to build relationships to everything else that shares any of those data about. Does the software also do some type of like image recognition type stuff in the AI or are we at that level yet? Is that on the on the horizon where you can tell that it's a male or a female or a dog or whatever in the in the pictures if we're talking <laughs> about imagery? Yeah, so we actually took a different approach. We are not 
the kind of mathematical wizards that build algorithms for AI tools. That's a very special skill set. However, there are a gazillion AI tools that do different things. I mean, everything from recognizing breaks in scenes in movies to finding objects to identifying unique individuals to picking out the logos from every logo that passes in a sports match, including the ones that are like on signs and clothes and in the background, you know, and all, all of, there's all these different tools. But here's the really interesting thing about AI. AI today is typically very good at very narrow requests. So in other words, find me all the pictures of John Wayne, right? Find me all the pictures of celebrities even, because celebrities are kind of a known entity. But, but the same tool doesn't then also find all of the pairs of scissors or all of the scooters or all of the red carpets, right? That's a different request. And, and so typically what happens is that as a, as a user, you want a variety of different kind of intelligence to be added to your files, which means you need a variety of tools to operate and give you that information back. And so what we did is we said, hey, look, we're agnostic to what tools you want to use. They are always changing. There are millions of them, and there'll be millions more. The question is, what information is relevant to you and your business that will help? And then we're going to plug in any number of those AI tools. They all have different costs and implications, but the point is we can think of it as like a rack in your stereo system. We can rack in any number of those tools and chain together those results so that you get a sort of a federated or synthesized answer across a whole bunch of different tools. Your role is to be the, the storage and organize and retrieval type of a product uh, and sharing, as I understand as well, um, not yeah. necessarily uh, breaking down all the different identification, but you take all that metadata that can be created by those other tools and make it and organize it in a logical way. Yeah, make it. That's right. Make it usable, right? Today, if you wanted to use, the, so you know, there, there's some of them are getting better, or better and better and more mainstream, right? And Google Photos does a really great job. I mean, it's a really good tool. But here's the problem with it: if you're a business and you put all your photos in there, and Google Photos adds all this interesting data, you can't. You what you can't do is search on the data that Google added plus a client name and a date of a function that you had, right? And so what we're saying is we need to have a hub that allows to bring in that kind of cool intelligence that Google and Amazon and Microsoft and Watson and all of these things can produce and then put it into a system where you can do a more synthesized lookup that says, hey, I need to look for um, images that have this person on a red carpet related to this event between these years, right? That, that kind of a search is what a business needs, and none of these tools by themselves give you that opportunity. That's what we're, we're built to give you, to synthesize those results and give you that, that more federated response or opportunity. I love what you're saying here, by the way. So I, my business is over 11 years old, and what I referred to, what you were talking about, I've got data here saved by this person and another person. I got employees that have left, you know, over time. There's stuff on hard drives, uh, memory sticks. It's all over the place. We like to refer to that as digital debris. It's like this, yeah. it was unorganized yeah. and left over by, uh, by an employee taken for the moment that it was needed at that moment. Uh, it might be useful today, 
but it's it's really kind of lost to me, you know, yeah. versus having to have a human being like read through every document somebody wrote up there. They could, you know, there could be tons of great information out there. And we're afraid as uh, organizations to delete any of it. We don't have yeah. time to go through it, but we're not going to throw it out. So we end up collecting this massive amount of what I refer to as that digital debris. It's just kind of leftovers that just keep following us and our and our backups and our servers get fuller and fuller and fuller, you know, as we collect this stuff and don't really know what to do with it and have no effective way of mining it. That's what it sounds like you guys have solved. You hit the nail on the head. And I so I'm, my degrees are in fine arts and art history, which is sort of a funny thing to have ended up where I am. But but the, but I'm also a bit of a closet economist. And and this, and I and I like to think of this as if you think about a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement, right? Particularly because you know we're talking to, uh, as at a to, to other CEOs here, um, we call these things digital assets, right? That's a term that we use. But interestingly, in economic terms, to be an asset, they would have to generate more value than they cost, right? And so you know that's a bit of an oversimplification. But you know in in this case. What we really have are digital liabilities, right? We have things that cost us money. They're inaccessible to us. We may never actually be able to retrieve them. We don't really know what they are or what their value is, but we pay to maintain them over time. And what we're saying is if you're going to keep them anyway, then put them in a context where you can move them on the balance sheet from the liability column to the, to the asset column. And once you know what you have and you know what, how they relate and you know what your rights are around them, you have opportunities to move them all the way to the profit and loss statement, right, to make new products out of them. And that's really what the, our whole project with the Bob Dylan Music Company is mining 50 years of Dylan's life and career, right? I mean, that's, that's what they do. Every box set, every, every bootleg series, every new copyright set, all of that stuff that they release is sort of discovered, curated, assembled inside our platform, which we call Starchive. And then and then when it's ready, when they say, okay, we've got all the right stuff, then they, you know, export it out for sort of true production, right? We're not a we're not a production environment. Um, right. but but that but all of the work to curate is done inside of our platform. That's a really interesting product and it serves and, and fulfills a need. It solves a problem, which is always where great products come from or great companies come from is, is solving a problem. So as I was telling you, our listeners love that when we pivot in and, and we talk about you. So we want to know about, about Richard and we've learned about the company, but now we want to, we really want to know about you as a leader. Um, and so I'm going to hit you with some quick questions here and uh, we'll see how we do and we'll kind of go from there. So in one word, characterize your life as an entrepreneur or as a CEO, I should say. Curious. Curious. I like that. Married or single? Married. How long? 21 years. Congratulations. Just celebrated my 30th. You know what it takes to make a long-term relationship work. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you too. It's not been easy and I don't know why she stays with me, but here we are. <laughs> I say the same thing, you know, um, and I don't think I've gotten a chance to say this on the show, but uh, uh, talking to somebody who's been married a long time, I, I, I truly do believe this, and you tell me if I'm right or not, and that is there's an old saying that says love is blind, but I don't believe that to be true. I think actually love is not blind. It actually sees more, not less, but because it is love, it chooses to see less. Oh, that's fascinating. 
I have not thought of that in that way, but I like it. And, and, uh, yeah, I think, I guess what you would say is it, 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 it curates the things it's going to pay attention to for sure. <laughs> right. Well, and there's plenty of things about me, I'm sure, that my wife does not like, but she yeah. loves me and she chooses to not make that. Uh, she yeah. just chooses to ignore that. She chooses to yeah. see less. She she looks at the things she likes and those accentuate, and the things she doesn't, she ignores. And so I, I just truly do believe in a in a long relationship uh, and love you. You just the, those aren't the big things. It doesn't matter. Uh, dinner and a movie out, or dinner at home and Netflix. Dinner at home and Netflix. I like it. Star Wars or Star Trek. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Why Star Wars? I never got into Star Trek as a kid. I start, you know, I was uh, I was never a big television guy, uh, and and so uh, Star Wars. I've always been a big movie guy. So I think for me, it was less it's less judgmental about the product and more about the format. <laughs> oh, fair enough. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color are you? Hmm. I'm blue. You're blue. What are your hobbies? I have too many of them. <laughs> Top of mind favorites. I've been. I'm a lifelong uh, runner. Um, uh, although never very fast, uh, I am a uh, I'm a, a scuba diver, uh, a motorcyclist, uh, a private pilot, and uh, this time of year, an avid bow hunter. Oh wow! You like hunting? What do you hunt? Uh, I hunt deer, and turkeys, and wild boar. Where are you located? I did a read in. I knew it, but I don't even know where you are. <laughs> I'm in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, very nice. Uh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Be beautiful uh, part of the world. Yeah, some uh, getting a little bit cold up there right now, though. Huh? It is. It's quite cold, and I've had a tough. I've had a tough uh, uh, bow hunting season, which means I'm I'm spending a lot of cold mornings in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of patience. I mean, and, and so I, I imagine that's a good quality for you as a CEO too. Patience. I think so, uh, and and uh, for me. Those hours are as much about uh, quiet, meditative time to think and process as anything, you know? This is a great interview, but like always, we don't have time to get all of this into 15 minutes, so we're going to have part two with Richard tomorrow, so make sure you tune in tomorrow to The Daily Drive to hear the rest of our interview with Richard Averett from Digital Relab. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.